Welcome to The Wood Podcast, where we explore solutions to some of the world's most critical challenges in energy and the built environment. I'm your host, Katie Zimmerman. Thank you for joining the first episode in our series, Enabling the Hydrogen Economy, where wood experts discuss how to unlock the potential of hydrogen. The unstoppable momentum towards a net zero future will require global collaboration to unlock practical solutions to the unprecedented challenges of shifting to a lower carbon energy system. How can hydrogen be part of the solution? How can we make it, move it, and use it to enable the energy transition? I'm joined today by three of Wood's hydrogen experts. Brian McCarthy, Vice President of Technology and Products, leads the charge in driving our process, technology, and equipment portfolio, including steam methane reforming across a wide range of industries. Brian is based in Hampton, New Jersey. I'd also like to welcome Brittany Drake, Brittany is our Business Development Director for Technology and Products, working alongside Brian. She empowers clients with future-ready solutions to effectively navigate their hydrogen technology journey. Brittany is based in Houston, Texas. Also joining us is Josh Carmichael, Vice President of Hydrogen. Josh is at the forefront of renewable energy and transport sectors. He has advised some of the world's largest corporations and governments, delivering global projects for hydrogen and large-scale grid batteries across Asia-Pacific, Europe, and Africa. Josh is based in Utrecht in the Netherlands. Thank you for joining us today. Hydrogen has a role to play in a changing global energy model and could provide 20% of the world's CO2 reduction needed by 2050. However, the scale of that role in tomorrow's economy will depend on its economic viability. How can a hydrogen economy be created to not only enable the energy transition, but also to meet the race to net zero? Brian, do you want to jump in here? Thanks, Katie. Um, you know, before we start to jump into how we might develop a hydrogen economy, I think it's really important to take a step back and understand why hydrogen is, is just so fundamental and also why everyone seems to be talking about it. Firstly, hydrogen is clean burning. Conventional hydrogen production technology is already an integral part of many industrial processes, specifically today, refining and petrochemical industries. It feels like every day we see a new project or report coming through or a new news headline coming through around hydrogen. Um, Governments, countries, and organizations are heavily invested in developing this most simple element to its maximum potential to decarbonize. Recently, we've seen the Australian government widen the mandate of the Australian Renewable Energy Agency to provide hydrogen projects with stable funding. And in August, we saw the UK government publish its own hydrogen strategy. Even more recently, uh, just in the beginning of August, the US infrastructure bill, which includes the, the building of a national roadmap and notionally 9.5 billion of federal spending to advance hydrogen economy development in the United States has now been passed in the US Senate. So in reality, what we're seeing is several core lenses developing through which countries, industries, and customers are viewing the opportunity. These lenses influence policy and corporate strategy fundamentally, and also are leading to very disparate views between the various stakeholders that are looking at this opportunity in just such a different way. Ultimately, some of these drivers fundamentally are local natural resource constraints or even strengths of the renewable or gas-based ESG pressures, existing infrastructure 
that can be leveraged in order to reduce capex for big investment infrastructure projects. And also asset portfolios of specific organizations and their drive to extend their profitability in their lifetime. Brittany, what role does hydrogen play as a future energy mix? Well, according to the Hydrogen Council, there could be an additional eightfold increase in the global demand for hydrogen by 2050. And hydrogen already plays a vital role in the global industry for use in either removing sulfur from fuels or to produce fertilizers for food production. So as part of the future energy mix, hydrogen could help us meet the Paris Agreement's commitment to reducing the CO2 emissions by 60% by 2050. As a means for long-term energy storage, um, you know, hydrogen can help wind, solar, and, and other sources in the energy mix work together to smooth out the supply and demand gaps that, that really many of the uh, clean energy sources suffer from. We're seeing the major gas transmission and distribution system operators issuing tenders to utilize their existing infrastructure and, and repurpose those assets, such as pipelines for natural gas and, and hydrogen blending projects in, in Europe, the Middle East, and Africa, um, even as well as the midstream operators in the U.S. For projects as part of a wider scope, developers in the Asia-Pacific are looking to produce hydrogen for export to Asian nations that have lower energy supply stability, as well as large-scale green hydrogen projects, which, which will need connections to grid systems across the global market. You know, the, the market's also seeing the conventional energy operators looking at integrating either blue or green hydrogen to decarbonize their existing operations, and even a combination of both blue and green hydrogen, depending on their current configuration and urgency to reduce the emissions in a fast timeline. Hydrogen is a color subject. Josh, can you explain how wood defines the various colors of hydrogen? At the moment, there's a lot of discussion around different colors of hydrogen. So green, blue, as was mentioned, and gray, even uh, pink, yellow, and different colors. It's a bit of a rainbow at the moment, and um, it's getting a lot of coverage. I think uh, we'll cover this in the future podcasts, uh, but for now, it's interesting to consider that um, the way it's being made at the moment, as Brian mentioned, through predominantly SMR being grey technology, is in some eyes being viewed as blue, while other people who see electrolyzed green from water electrolyzed as being used as gas as blue. So it's something that we'll cover later. Um, the point is here that uh, we shouldn't be too focused on the colour, but more the technology, and um, that you know, would companies like Wood have both the technology and the experience to help clients across the range of technologies uh, that need to be um, yeah, placed in the market. So um, it's also interesting to note that the EU Commission doesn't mention a hydrogen colour once in their strategies. Could you explain what we mean when we hear talk about the hydrogen economy, hydrogen value chain, hydrogen sector, and other such phrases? Yeah, as Brian mentioned, uh, it seems like it's not a day that goes by uh, that we're not hearing or talking about hydrogen in some context. And that's great um, because it is a very efficient, storable and transportable energy carrier. And, and these characteristics actually make it the perfect candidate to be used in a number of industries in new and also existing uh, applications. 
in terms of um, generating and using the hydrogen, the way I see it is basically three phases. So the first is production. Uh, that's where we make it. The second being storage and distribution. So here we talk about moving it and how you move it will depend on where you sit in the market, what assets you have, and also how you're making it, whether it be through electrolyzing electricity or as gas networks or ammonia, as, as was mentioned. Um, then third, how we use it. Um, and in those cases I mentioned, it's really interesting to see whether it's going into an industry or a household or a, or, or a car or a truck or a ship. Um, and largely, a lot of the end users will determine uh, the, the first two steps around how you make it and, and store it. It could be ammonia as fertilizer, it could be bulk storage, or it could even be gas into a network or electricity as a fuel cell into a car and a bus. So it's interesting to look at those, not in a linear sense, but also in a vertical sense. And I think going forward, that's hydrogen's biggest issue will be combining the supply chain of the hydrogen with the demand for the hydrogen with the right molecule and electron at the right time. Brian, what can we do now to unlock the potential of hydrogen? Yeah, so, you know, I think that's the interesting way to look at this because, of you know, there's just so many different moving parts um, that sometimes it's easiest just to look at the near term and what might be able to be applied right away. So in the near term, uh, the lowest hanging fruit is to decarbonize existing hydrocarbon-based hydrogen production assets, which are, as we discussed before, they're predominantly in downstream refining and petrochemical installations that are existing. Um, operators are actively asking us about opportunities to enhance the efficiency and capacity or perform conceptual studies to add carbon capture solutions to these existing assets. We're also applying Wood's own blue hydrogen production technology for clients that are exploring opportunities to produce renewable or synthetic fuels, which often require hydrogen or syngas production to support those processes. In, in respect to the, lar the first large scale clean hydrogen projects, they're, they're likely gonna be installed within what's being termed industrial clusters. You know, one, one, one industrial cluster that's that's been moving along um, is somewhat developed now in terms of the planning is the Humber Zero cluster in the UK. And the, the, the primary driver behind this is that the economics for these hydrogen projects can be much better supported through reutilizing existing assets and integrating them to enhance operating efficiencies and also reduce investment costs. Brittany, what will drive the future growth of the hydrogen market? Well, you know, in addition to what Brian already mentioned, you know, with um, the new policies adding pressure to decarbonize the hydrogen that's already in production today, uh, we need to also see an increase in the demand with the broad adoption of hydrogen for new end uses such as transportation fuel and residential heat and power. Technology, cost and policy, in particular carbon pricing, that's largely going to drive the acceptance of these in uh, new areas. And, you know, it's going to vary by country based on political sentiment and the existing natural resource base. Project success is key. And we're seeing a lot of demonstration projects to prove clean hydrogen at small scale. Uh, many industry players are testing the water while, while also keeping a close eye on policy to gain more confidence before meaningfully moving forward on the large scale investments. Would you agree with that, Josh? So it's fair to say that the main driver affecting the rate of growth for the clean hydrogen is uh, costs at the moment rather than the technology. And the two, of, as we know, are always uh, interlinked. 
Um, to get to the scale, you need to drive down costs and, and to learn by doing. And that really means getting on with these demonstration projects, uh, which are sufficiently large to achieve both in a way that captures and shares those learnings. We think that in the near term for geographies, with strong natural resources uh, from gas and, and blue hydrogen can be a catalyst in driving demand for clean hydrogen and facilitate economics of green hydrogen, which remains challenging at present. So the growth is there. Um, and actually just this year, we secured 30 projects uh, separate from each other. And these were covering everything from green to blue and, and biohydrogen. What are some of the key challenges to realizing a hydrogen economy? I'd say the trick now is how to accelerate the journey and ensure we can produce it competitively. For me, this includes creating the right level of collaboration amongst the key players in the industry, ensuring policy and public sector investment is focused in the right way on the projects that will have the most impact and creating an attractive proposition for the private sector investors. It's ensuring that in industry, we have the right ask of the government and a key role in the debate around hydrogen. And we have a role to play in moving that debate forward. The destination is absolutely a lower carbon energy mix, but one that continues to provide secure and safe access to affordable energy, including jobs for the many skilled workers across the broad energy industry. Brian mentioned the Humber Zero project, and this is a perfect example where key players in the industry came together and blue and green hydrogen is being used to decarbonize an industrial cluster and would help play an important role in developing that strategy. Josh, do you have anything to add? Yeah, so I think a couple of things here. Um, obviously scaling and the solutions are not without the challenges. I think uh, mentioned before around the colors, green hydrogen has traditionally and historically been more expensive than blue primarily because of the high investment costs. But what we're seeing in the market, as was mentioned before as well, when you combine the two, and if there is already available infrastructure and assets that belong to, for example, blue hydrogen and gas networks, we can see the, the combination of the assets being used to drive down the costs and also the learnings of those projects to be delivered in other regions uh, where those two things might be available to then also be cheaper. Uh, so you're getting the, the benefits through scale and learning at the same time and by combining both green and blue in those locations where it's possible. Uh, at the moment, there's a bit of a split in the market. Um, I previously worked in, in large-scale battery industry and one of the best things or the good things that they did in the industry was very clearly focus on what a battery would do and what it wouldn't do, where it was targeting and not targeting. And I think the hydrogen industry also needs to go through a process now where it is very clear about the things it can and can't do instead of confusing some of the people uh, that it needs to be uh, operating and socially operating as well with the social license. So it's important to understand where the hydrogen is coming from, but we'll get there with certificates of origins and things like this that are being developed in Europe and Australia. The most important thing is that we start deploying and we're getting the infrastructure at scale that the end users are going to need us to get on with. And whether that is going to be as electricity or ammonia, that is to be played out. And I'm very excited for an organization like Wood to play the role based on the learnings that we've got from a number of projects in the world from those colors to help our clients, whether it be the gas networks and offtake in the refueling station or ammonia for, for shipping or transport, 
Yeah, Josh, so you're absolutely right about that. You know, there's just so much nuance to this subject and uh, the fundamental nature of hydrogen drives that nuance and there's really no clear answers that can be applied one size fits all. But one thing that's for sure is that the, the future energy system is going to require massive changes to the infrastructure to accommodate hydrogen. Uh, the, the current gas system may be able to accommodate the changes in fuel without major replacement. However, some infrastructure will require modification or there will be a need for new infrastructure. Our supply of hydrogen may be intermittent, unlike natural gas. So more storage capacity will be needed to manage not only seasonal fluctuations, but also daily fluctuations. Both cities and industries need to build hydrogen as a solution into many complex activities where it can be enabled, whether that be through the use its use in vehicles or powering the energy grid. With respect to how wood can contribute, we hope that with over 60 years experience across the value chain from consultancy and project development support scopes through to proprietary hydrogen technology based on our blue hydrogen SMR technology, modular equipment supply, engineering procurement and construction delivery that we've been doing for years, we can continue to be a part of the solution for our clients. One thing is absolutely clear. The hydrogen sector is set for exceptional growth, but finding the right production solution to achieve carbon reduction and energy demand is critical in realizing the potential and every customer will require a different solution. This is an area that we'll cover in more depth as we journey through our Enabling the Hydrogen Economy podcast series, and we're really looking forward to talking about it more. And that brings us to the close of this episode on enabling the lower carbon hydrogen economy, how we can make it, move it, and use it. Be sure to join us on future episodes where we'll dive into the trickier issues with hydrogen, like blue versus green, the various technologies available, and my personal favorite topic, how we can globally scale the hubs and clusters for bigger and better emissions reductions. If you would like to connect with today's guests or explore related insights, please visit us at woodplc.com slash podcast, where you can also subscribe and receive updates to the Wood Podcast. At Wood, our curiosity keeps us pushing, innovating, making the impossible possible. Thank you for joining us today on this journey. Take care. Have a great day.